gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea, just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here, and that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life, and heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try, the diamond dogs are here. Hey everybody, I'm Jason Barnaby and I'm here with my good friend Beth Rashley. And we have embarked on this crazy idea because you know it's 2022 and we may be the last two people left on the planet that don't have a podcast. We thought, you know, why not? Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Diamond Dogs podcast with Beth and Jason, where we're going to hang out, talk about Ted Lasso because we love him. And we are both leadership geeks. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. (laughs) And uh, I'm excited to be with Beth today because uh, I think you should tell them what's on the truck today, Beth. Oh my gosh. My uh, first book, Crisis Proof Leadership, is literally on the truck on its way to my house right now. That is amazing. And we will make sure to tell you where you can get a copy of that before we are done today. But you know, we're going to talk about Ted. We're going to pull out some things that we thought were hilarious, but also great leadership lessons. I'm not sure if Ted Lasso set out to be a leadership uh, show, but it certainly... I mean, I've seen so many posts on LinkedIn where people are talking about Ted Lasso and and sharing Ted Lasso quotes. I think I even shared that one with all the different Enneagram Mm -hmm. things, right? So I just want to say thank you publicly to you, Beth, because I've wanted to do a podcast for years, but I'm always like, I don't know how to do any of that <laughs> stuff. And and how well you say it, how how did you fit into that whole thing? Like where did you come along? What what how did that how did how did we get to where we are oh today? Oh my gosh. So I have I have been a podcast fan since the early days. Like I can remember I started getting into them um, when I was still working at the CIA. And I used to have for a year, I worked at CIA headquarters and lived in the suburbs of DC. So if you've ever been to DC, that's just like a traffic disaster. So I had like a 45 minute hour commute each way. Um, And I had heard about these podcast things. So this was back in the day when you had to download them from your computer onto your iPod. iPod, I had like one of those radio transistor things in the car that let the iPod iPod play in my car, the podcast, like that's how committed I was. Yeah, you were committed. I was, and I was absolutely an early adopter of, of those shows. And I, you know, really fell in love with some early shows like um, this American life that was one of the very first, like super popular podcasts. And it had been a radio show, I think um, on its own before that, but really took off in podcast form. I've just always been really interested in them. I've always listened to them, always wanted to do it. And part of the roadblock for me for that is I didn't want to do it by myself. I wanted to do it with a friend. I wanted it to feel not just like this thing that I did, but like it was fun. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yes, let's do it. Yes. And for those of you listening who are like, wait, hold it. Like you, you press pause, like about a minute ago when Beth was like, when I worked at the CIA headquarters, which she just kind of throws out there, like 
So we will we will dive into some of those things. And by the way, you can read about some of those things in Beth's new book, Crisis Proof Leadership. Let's just get this out of the way because this will come up over and over. For those of you who are Enneagram people, we are big Enneagram people and have an Enneagram expert, uh, by the way, of Rachel Pritz in our tribe. And so we will talk about the Enneagram on here. Um, I am an Enneagram seven. I have a mug that pretty much sums up my life that says, that's a horrible idea. What time? And, uh, you know, hashtag all the things. So, uh, you know, when somebody comes along and says, Hey, I will help you do this podcast thing. I'm like, I'm in, let's do this thing. Uh, Beth, what is your number on the Enneagram? I, I am a nine and our, our good friend, friend, Rachel helped me uh, figure that out. I actually presented as a two. Um, okay. I often test as a two and I have plenty of two there, but really at, at my core, I'm a nine, the nine nickname or whatever label. What is the label for the nine? Uh, peacemaker. We're all about peace. <laughs> so it's good to have somebody like that in the CIA. I think. Yeah, just, I think so. I, hopefully I had an impact while I was there. <laughs> I'm sure that you did. And, uh, sevens are the enthusiasts. So I call myself a tigger. Um, which it's is ironic. So true. Now that you know what we're up to, uh, we're gonna we're gonna just dive right in. And uh, Beth, would you like to handle the recap? I'm gonna start right at the beginning with episode one. Our, you know, just so that you know, our our plan for the podcast is to always share what we saw in the episode that might be relevant for people who are interested in leadership, like we are. Like, what what are the lessons that we can really pull from this? And what are the tools that might be there and available for us to implement for ourselves? So that is a big part of what we're going to do. But we also don't want to lose sight of of what a great show it is. (laughs) So we will also absolutely geek out about the hilarity that is the show, the fun that is the show, and also the um, really interesting and compelling story that's there. So um, episode one, if it's been a minute since you've seen it, if you're a fan, the pilot episode starts with Rebecca Welton, who's the new owner of the AFC Richmond team. And they've been struggling in the Premier League. She is also recently divorced, has taken on this charge of how can she punish her ex-husband who publicly cheated on her multiple multiple times. And she decides the way she's going to get revenge is to absolutely drive the club into the ground because it's the only thing her ex has ever left. So as part of that strategy, she's going to hire Ted Lasso, who's a college football coach from Kansas City, doesn't know anything about soccer. But he arrives in Richmond with his assistant coach, Coach Beard, who's a big, big part of the show. One of my favorite characters. He's awesome. And he spends most of episode one just trying to connect with his new um, team with his positive folksy charm. And of course, the team hates him anyway. So that's really a lot of what's happening in episode one. Uh, and right so off for a lot of, for a lot of folks who um so I tried to get my wife to watch the show for months and she's she would see me watching it and she's like I don't want to watch a show about soccer. I'm like it's not really about soccer. No. Like it's just so, you know, first of all for those of you who are like I don't, I'm not a sports ball person. Okay, fine. <laughs> um give the first 3 episodes an opportunity. And if and if if it's not your thing, cool, move on. Um, but it is very much, you know, Ted has to realize that football um, is not football in Europe. It's soccer over there, but they call it football. And so he's learning all the vernacular and coach Beard's really good about teaching him that. And so the world, because over there, like we don't get this as much in the States, but if you are somebody from Europe and you follow European football, like that is the, that's 
the sport. Like tens and tens of thousands of people show up for these matches. People know songs that they sing in the in the stands. I mean, it is it's nuts. So as you know, Ted is coming over to be this um to be the new coach, you know, everybody's like he actually asks, and I love this. They're on the plane, he and Beard, right? And he and he gets up like a kid and he turns around on his chair and he looks at Beard and he goes, Are we nuts? And Beard goes, Oh yeah, <laughs> we're, t- we're totally nuts. And you know, as I think you'll get to know this about Beth and I as we go on, but um, we both have struck out on our own, uh, doing the things that we feel like. I think we, I'm not sure Beth and I have ever asked each other this question, but I think I know it inherently that we both would subscribe to that idea that the people who change the world are the ones who believe they can, who are crazy enough to believe that they can. And I Absolutely. think we are, we are, we are a couple of those nuts. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me in this first episode was that nuts, like you're nuts, is a very common cry when we chase our dream. And especially for those who are in leadership of us, right? Who don't want us to leave or who, who, what I've realized in my journey, I don't know how it's been for you, but really they don't have the guts to do it. And so their criticism of you doing the thing is really their jealousy. And it took me a long time to understand that criticism so often is a hidden form of jealousy. Well, and and really in a lot of cases, masks an underlying fear that they have that's unresolved, right? So when you are scared and you see someone else being brave, that can be triggering. And I get that. And I'll never judge that. And another person, it took me a long time to unpack all of that in myself enough that I could go out on my own. Um, And I'm grateful for people like you and others that helped me do that. (laughs) It took me some time. You don't just one day quit your very high paying corporate job and, you know, roll the dice without having to unpack some, some stuff within yourself. hundred percent agree with that. And uh, I just, I'm going to say this so we can just get it out of the way right now. Um, As you're talking about that and you know, it's their own stuff. I would, we, I think we would both agree. That's, that's people's own shit. Yeah. Um, so we're just gonna we're gonna drop we're gonna drop some. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not gonna be gratuitous. I don't, I'm not a big fan of gratuitous profanity, but I I have a master's degree in teaching English as a foreign language, and I believe at the core of my being that a well placed f bomb is one of the best things that you can possibly I have. So there will be some of those. Yeah. There will be some of those. If you have kids in the car, um, you might want to listen first before you, unless I- unless you're fine with your kids getting that kind of education. So that's fine. <laughs> So, you know, nuts is a common cry. I'm going to pop through a couple of these, Beth, and then I'll, I'll throw them over back over to you because I think this next one is really good. We, as, as we were preparing for our episode, we talked about how Ted makes great um, comparisons, which we just, uh, you know, pulling the curtain back completely. We just realized uh, he does these animal comparisons, which we Googled is uh, anthropomorphism. Some of you are like, well, duh, we already knew that. Well, good for you. Um, we had to Google. We had to Google. <laughs> And best husband was, was texting. Super helpful. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But I love this next one. He says, taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse. I did. And I couldn't sit or walk for like three days because I, I, I did it so incorrectly. It was ridiculous. I mean, when the horse was going up, I was coming down and vice versa. And it just, it didn't go well. And that's, I mean, you know me well enough. I talk, in fact, 
you can't see this, but I have one of my shirts on that says comfortable being uncomfortable. I talk about getting out of your comfort zone a lot. And I don't think you could get more uncomfortable than going to another country where they drive on the other side of the road, where they, my, my British friend that I used to work with in Europe said that we are divided by a common language and just jumping head first and feet or feet first, whichever way into this culture. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. And that's what, that was one of the things Ted says. And I love that because he just throughout the whole show, he's just like, you know, here's, here's where it is. And he's just, he's always kind of, you know, go with the flow, that Midwestern humility kind of thing that we say for us who live in Indiana, that's where we are. What about you for taking on a challenge? When you look at it, I mean, do you judge it by how uncomfortable you are if you're doing it right? Yeah, it makes me think about when I was very first starting to write the book. Um, you and I are both authors and yes, yes. you know, had amb- ambitions for doing that. But when you sit down with a blank page and you go to start writing something, I was literally physically uncomfortable. Like everything about it was uncomfortable. Yes. And I actually had a couple of weeks where I was like, man, maybe this is a terrible idea. Maybe I should not be doing this. And then I actually literally reminded myself that when I'm the most uncomfortable is usually that's exactly what I should be doing right now. And I just had to like ground myself in that and you have to push through it. And, and, you know, nine times out of 10, that's going to pay off for you. You know, it's not, it's not always bad when our body is trying to stop us from doing something. (laughs) It's not always aligned. You know, and I, I think when you, one phrase I, I want to throw out, because I, I know I will say this several times through our podcast, when you said you had those couple of weeks of like, should I do this or should I not? And in the book that I wrote, I, I couldn't find a word that really encapsulated the the head trash, the automatic negative thoughts, the um, imposter syndrome, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I taught English for 25 years. I've got a master's degree. I'll just make up a word. So the word I made up is the what if abouts and those are what come, right? When we take on a challenge or when we do something and people tell us we're nuts, like our brain is like, damn right. You're crazy. You're nuts. This is stupid. Who do you think you are? What are you Mm -hmm. like? This has never worked before. Um, You know, you've, you've tried it and failed. You've tried six times and failed. And you know, Beth, I am amazed every time I talk with people and I'm sure that you have similar conversations in your business, people that say like, I'm like, well, why aren't you doing that thing? And I'm amazed how much of this stuff comes back to like body image, like I'm or or age. Like I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too experienced, I'm not experienced enough. And it's like I have a really good friend who um, says, you know, when you came to see me today, you know, if you have this idea that every, somebody else is already doing it and they're doing it better, he's like, when you drove to see me today, how many burger places did you pass? Yeah. How many pizza places, mm-hmm. Chinese restaurants, gas stations, manicure spots? Lots of people are doing different things, but they have their people. And who's to say that you can't find your people? I mean, that's Absolutely. kind of what we're doing with this podcast, right? Yeah. Like, we'll find Absolutely. our people. What are some others on the list that you're like, ooh, that's good? You know, my favorite thing that we both stood out to both of us was um, there's a great scene where, you know, Rebecca and her efforts to just kind of start Ted on the wrong foot with everybody sends him straight into a press conference. And that scene is, is just a great one from this episode because it should absolutely derail him. And he is so calm, so collective. 
And he's also really clear about what he knows and what he doesn't. He doesn't go into this press conference trying to fake that he's some soccer expert, you know, he's not. And he claims that, um, but he does know what he does well. And he also claims that. And I think that is such a strong um, trait for exceptional leaders. Like that's what exceptional leaders are really great at is knowing what they do well, what other people do well, and figuring out how do you make that all come together to serve the bigger mission of what you're trying to do. Yeah. And I th- I'm sure that there are people who are listening to this who are reporting to bosses and leaders who are micromanagers, who hold the cards close to their chest. There's that quote that says, you get you get promoted to your highest level of incompetence. And, and we know people who've been stuck there, right? They've been stuck in this position for 10, 15, 20 years, and then they get comfortable and then they don't want to move. And then they start, you know, they just, they just get real comfortable there. And I love that he says in one, and I don't, I don't think it was in this episode. I think it's later where he says, um, that kid has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know in my life. Yeah. Like he knows that he doesn't know. And to me, the people that I have I have worked with who, and that's the kind of leader I strive to be, but the people that I have worked with who inspire me are the people who are like, I don't know that. Do you know that? Yeah. Can you go or can you go figure that out? Can and they give me a challenge to go do something that they don't feel like they have the skills or the time or the whatever. Can you go do that thing? And you know, just I think owning your shit, the the positive and the negative, like I know that and this is me, but I don't know that at all. And that's not me. Yeah. And and owning that and and raising your hand and saying that out loud will make your life so much easier. I think so many people right now are frustrated because they're trying to own things that they suck at and they're not spending enough time on the things that they're really good at. Yeah, I, th- I couldn't agree more. And I think this whole conversation really speaks to like the bigger theme of what what I really noticed about this episode, which is this question that uh, is something that in various jobs that I've had in my life, it's something that we've talked about a lot. Do you have to be an expert at whatever it is the people that you are leading do in order to be an effective leader? And I think the answer to that more often than not comes down to what we just said, which is if you can walk into that team and be a student of the work, okay? So I don't know everything there is to know about this work, but I know I've got this team of people who know everything that I need to know. And I go to school and I learn that thing and I rely on and trust those people and provide value to them in the way that I can provide value to them as a leader, then you're gonna be fine. That can work out great. And sometimes it's a huge success story. Um, Where it can go sideways is if you walk into that and pretend like you know what you're doing, or you try to, you know, you're just trying to fake it. And that will be a disaster every day of the week and twice a day. That's never going to work out. I so disagree with this idea of fake it till you make it. Oh, like, it's I if if I see that on one more t shirt, I'm just gonna like rip it off somebody's yes, body. It's I think people have confused show up with energy or show up with intention of the fake it till you make it. Like if I show up and I don't know, I have to fake it. That's BS. Uh-uh. You need, you need, because here's the, here's the thing. Cause you've, we've all seen this, right? We've all seen this in leaders 
that they show up and they're faking it. And everybody in the room, it's like the emperor's new clothes. Like everybody in the room knows that that's complete BS that you have no idea what you're talking about, but you're, you're trying like hell to pretend to everybody. And it would just, you'd get so much more respect. You'd get so much more support. If you come in like he does and goes, I don't know. And I'm owning that. I'm I'm just owning it. Yep. I love it. Yeah. It, I, I just think it's in, incredibly important that mindset you walk into those situations with. And I don't, I don't know where this fake it till you make it thing came from, because in general, you shouldn't fake anything like faking it is like, why would we do that in any situation in life? From sex to business. That's it's not exactly a good idea. right. I wanted to say that. Thank you for going there. Cause I was gonna, but then I was like appropriate. Not, I don't know. We're just I'm gonna always going to go there. Gonna go yeah, there. I'm never, always so going to go there. You're just, it doesn't serve you. What does the faking it do for you? Nothing. Right. Um, right. Nobody learns anything. Nobody understands right. anything any better. It's, it's a terrible idea. And it's also makes it almost impossible for anybody to trust you. And you will yep. never be an effective leader. If yep. people can't trust you. And the, and the, and the other follow-up to that is if you do fake it, then the next time you have to f- keep faking it. Exactly. To, to f- I mean, it's a never ending. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you just, if you can just show up and go, I don't know. I mean, then you laid the baseline and people are like, okay, cool. Yeah. Love, love the, love the own. What's another one that you, that really stuck out to you from this first one. We, we both really noticed in the episode, the little things that he does too, that yeah. shows who he is as a person mm-hmm. doing things like carrying his own bag. Yep. He remembers people's names right away. Yep. Those little things, they matter. You know, it, it shows right away that he's somebody with integrity. And yep. I just love the way they've inserted these little moments of yep. letting us glimpse who he really is. Yep. And I would say, um, so I worked for, you'll hear me talk about him several times on here. Uh, shout out to Mark Lavin, who was my first um, sales leader uh, that I reported to. And he challenged me in my first management job. He said, you need to know, he said, first of all, you need to know everybody on your teams, like know their names, know all of their names first and last, um, know their spouse's names, if they're married or their significant other, or if they're not, make sure that you remember that. <laughs> and he said, then you also need to know at least one. And he said, I would, I would challenge you to know three, but at least one very personal thing about each of those people that you can ask them about. So, because they want to be seen, right? Yeah. They want to be seen. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you what, when you show up, because I had people in my first job that were all over the country. And so I didn't see them that often. And we didn't, I mean, we met like once every three weeks or something like that for one-on-ones and I would make lists and things that I like, remember this, follow up on this, ask about this, figure out when their birthday is, send them a text message almost like with the fake it till you make it like the little things matter to me. I would say that those actually aren't little things. Those are big things. Those are big things. And the little things need to be thought of as big things, not as little things. Cause if we think of them as little things, we're like, ah, it's not a big deal, but they're big things. Like think about how, like when somebody texts you out of the blue, happy birthday that you don't think like, how the hell did they remember? Maybe it was Facebook that told them, but who cares? cares? It took time to send you a text. Yeah. It, it feels good too. My very, um, my last job that I had before I went out on my own, I had an exceptional leader in that job named Carly Cope. A little mm. shout out to Carly, who I'm sure is shout listening and sharing because that's who, who she is as a human. Yep. But before I even started the job, I remember she sent me an email and she asked me some questions like, what was my favorite candy? And I don't even remember what was on there, but I remember when I walked in on my very first day, they first, they had made me a sign 
and put it in my office, welcoming me to the team. Everybody had signed it, which was so sweet. And then she had gotten me like a candy bowl and it had my favorite candy in it. Which <laughs> is it like you feel seen, right? Day. Like how thoughtful is that? And that is something that takes a second to do. Totally. And it's something from that moment on, I have done it with my own team. And I also, when I left that job, I left, <laughs> I left basically like a map to each of my employees. Like, here's what I know about them. Here's how I know they like to get uh, praise. Here's their favorite food. Here's their favorite candy. Here's this. Like I left a list because that Intel is important and it's going to help the next leader serve them. Wow. 100%. And it's just, sometimes those little things make such a massive difference and just the way you feel about work and, and what you're yep. doing. I lived in Poland for eight years where my wife is from. When we first got married, our first real apartment was in this um, block building that was four stories and people that have had lived there had lived there for a very long time. There were maybe, I don't know, 15 apartments in the whole thing. So um, mostly older people, much older than me, lived there for decades and decades. And so Pol- Polish culture in general is a pretty like closed off culture, right? You really have to know people well and people just don't open up. I was, I'm not Polish, but I lived in Poland and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being the guy, right? It was nuts. It was like, I'm just taking on a challenge. I was moving to this crazy country where they don't, you know, I don't speak the language, all that. So I learned how to say hello. And I just started saying hello to everybody in my building. Everybody didn't know them. My wife would even be like, do those people even live in the building? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> just going to say I, hi to them anyway. I'm just going to say hi to them. So um, her aunt also lived in the same town, lived there her pretty much her entire life. And she, we were over at her house for tea, which we'll get to in just a minute because that's one of our favorite quotes. But we, <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn to drink either really strong coffee or really bad tea. She says, you know, she said, I have to tell you this story. She said, I was with a friend of mine the other day and they were telling me that, that, you know, we were just catching up and I said, you know, anything new in your life. And she said, well, this new couple moved into our building and she said, the husband, she's like, I don't know where he's from, but every time I see him, he says, hello. Well, as you can probably guess by now, that was me. Uh And so it was just hilarious that that came full circle. Well, we lived there for about two and a half, three years. And when we left in this building where we didn't know anybody when we moved in, we were packing our car. Every single person in the building came down to the sidewalk when we were packing up our car to say goodbye, Uh to ask where we were going. Some I didn't know that some of them, I didn't even know their names. I'm, it's funny, like I'm getting choked up about I this know, right now, thinking about tell. it. But like it, it's it's those quote little things that make a difference, and that's what people remember so much so that people talk about it to other people. Yeah. And one of the things that I have definitely learned in this life of being on my own, and I'm sure that you have too, especially as you've um, written your book, is you never know who's who's watching. You yeah. never know who's listening. Yeah. And. I mean, I looked up at one time when we were packing our car and there were like three different people in their, in their windows, like looking, (laughs) looking down at us, you know, packing and yeah, I love that story. It's such a quintessential Jason story. (laughs) It's like, I'm picturing like Jason as the, you know, poster child for what it means to be from Indiana stepping into this Polish culture. It had to have been a lot like when I went to DC because I didn't realize people there oh, didn't like talk to each other. It was very um, alarming to me when I moved there. 
And and I think that's great that you said that and I shared that because that's Ted is Ted is just Ted. Yeah. And and you know, I think one of the things that I've loved about both seasons is that through and through and through and through good times and bad times, anxiety-ridden times and and joyful times, Ted is Ted. Yeah. And he just he just is. And uh not in an arrogant way, but just like this is who I am. And because he does all of the other things. He's so well respected and accepted for who he is because he makes no apologies and he owns it. Well, and I think the thing that he does too is he gives other people permission to do the same. Yes. And there's something really magical about that for yeah. leaders. And I I, I just think it's ugh, the show. I don't understand how they've made this like perfect pop culture, life, leadership, all the things. They're all geniuses. Well, and and I think it speaks to the fact of how I think people gravitate to this show so much because it's what they want. Yes. And, and clearly for many of us, what we don't have. Yeah. It gives us hope that they're like, even if it's living vicariously through Ted and his organization and all he does, that there's hope that this approach to life exists. Yeah. And so, you know, I would, I would... I know we are both about action and I would really encourage anybody who's listening to take one of these things, or if you've watched the show and you're like, Oh, those are all great, but I have my own little lesson that I took from it. Like take something and go do something with it. Like, like I said, I've been in business for three and a half years. I just had a lady this year who, who joined my uh, certified coaching program. She's like, I heard you speak two and a half years ago. She's, didn't know she followed me. Didn't it? She's like, I read your yeah. book. I talked to you. Like, and I'm like, what? She's yeah. like, you wrote, you know, I, cause sometimes there's times when you can sign books, which I'm so looking forward to the, when you get to do it. It's, it's such a badass. Like, yeah. it's just, uh, I'm getting excited because I know what that know. feels like. And if you all could see the smile on best face right now, it's just it's, like, it's, I'm like it's, the Cheshire cat over here. It's, it's pushing her headphones off of her face because it's just, it's huge. But it's such a cool Excited. and and I asked her, I said, what did you take from the the my talk today? And she told me. And so I signed it that way. Um, you know, keep doing this. And she's like, I was. And she's like, I've I've been and she like, here's my notes, and these are things that I did, and this changed my life. And I'm like, what? You just never know. Yeah. So be be you unapologetically, and you don't have to be a freaking expert. You don't need so for any of you who are listening, you're like, yeah, that all sounds good. I need to go back and get the master's degree. I need to get the PhD. I don't have, no, no, be you unapologetically. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've been like dancing around the leadership space, like thinking there's something else you need to do to be more prepared for it, the best thing you can do is be you and do that with the kind of integrity that people appreciate and, and you'll be fine. <laughs> That's really it. And, and, and for, you know, people who are like, well, how, but how do you know you're going to be fine? And, you know, this is one of those things, like, I don't know if anybody listening has ever gone to, the best example I can think of is skydiving. Like you don't know what the feeling of skydiving is like until you jump out of the plane. Yeah, that's exactly right. But it's now I'm not going to do that anytime soon. Just for the record, I it's will a not be jumping out. When you do mm -hmm. it though. No, oh, it's so fun. hard pass on the sky skydiving. So uh-uh. We have to talk about the tea quote because you alerted to it. Yeah, for the record, so I have to share this little nugget of information. So I am a massive coffee drinker. I love coffee, as does Jason, but occasionally it does not always agree with my body, and and so sometimes I have to divorce it for a little while and 
And in order to be a more healthy person as I roll my eyes, cause it's, you know, and, and do that makes me quotes. super mad every single time I am abstaining from coffee. And I mentioned that I'm struggling because I'm not having coffee right now. Somebody says, well, why don't you have tea? And tea is horrible brown water, which is exactly what Ted says. And anybody who compares the two things, like I don't understand, they are not even in the same universe. And the whole scene where Rebecca is giving him tea is I have never laughed so hard so in my good. life as I do at that scene. So funny. Yeah, because I I think he's she says, How do you take your tea? And he says something <laughs> along the lines of like, well, usually right back to, back the, to counter, the counter. So somebody's yes. made a terrible mistake. mistake. I know it's so good. It, it's exactly how I feel about tea. And I just I love that scene yep. so much. And I am so, a so good. Uh, I'm a former coffee shop owner. We did that for a year when we lived in Poland. So um, yeah. I am a, I'm a super coffee you snob. You are, you are. And I, I made the mistake of recently sending you a Starbucks gift card, which I knew like after, after it was in the mail, I was like, oh, that was a terrible mistake. No, that's okay. I, I've made, I've made, no, I've made my own. I, I like Starbucks and and I'll go there, <laughs> especially when it's free. I li- So I live my life by two mantras, Beth. That I'm, I think I've shared this with you, but if not, it's good to get it out right now. One is if it's free, it's for me. So boom, yeah. you yeah. and uh the second one is treat yourself right on Fridays. I do, I, I do re- know that motto. Okay, so I don't know if I got your Starbucks card on a Friday, but if I did, and anybody listening that wants to send a gift my way, send it so it gets there on a Friday. And that's like that's I mean, you that's like a little the free treat. I know, gift. really is. Okay. So the last one I just think is um you really need to because we're gonna talk about this and you're gonna see it all throughout the seasons with Ted. And that is that how important, and we have done this ourselves in our own mastermind group, but you can not, I don't care who you are. I don't care. You cannot do life alone. Can you do it for a short time? Sure. Can you do it for a long time? Maybe, but eventually you're going to need the help of other people. You don't know everything. You can't possibly know everything. There's no way you can do everything. And you need tribe members with you. Favorite quote in all of the world is the Jim Rohn quote that says, we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Who are your people? And that's one thing I love about Ted. Ted knows who his people are and he trusts them and he's vulnerable with them and he asks for help and he admits mistakes. And uh, you've got to be, you've got to take tribe members with you because when it gets scary, because it will, you need somebody to look at and go, I'm freaking scared. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more, which, you know, we um, both live that pretty hard, especially um, the last couple of years. (laughs) Uh, If we didn't have, you know, strong people around us, we we might might not have survived this pandemic as, as business owners. So yeah, huge, huge, huge. And I'm grateful you're part of that friend. Oh, same. It's, it's pretty wonderful. Directly slash indirectly. I don't know if you can be both at the same time. I'm not really sure how that works, but our guest today is, is really one of the core reasons that this podcast is even happening. Beth and I are here today with Scott Abbott. And I was a guest on Scott's podcast, Moments to Momentum, and he was so fired up about this show, this Ted Lasso show, and I had never seen it before. And he asked me if I'd seen it, and I said no. And that launched, I would say, a good five-minute 
sales pitch, almost as if he had been employed by the network itself to get me to watch the show. So Scott, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us why you were so fired up to get somebody else to watch this show. Well, I'm glad you have a little amnesia because I think I literally chastised you for not watching. That's so probably being, a better being, a better word. Yeah, you're 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 you're, be, you're being very Ted Lasso by letting me off the hook. So it's got it's got it all. It's got the heart, the soul, the tips, gems, nuggets. I grew up uh, almost eight years in London, so it's it's home sweet home for me. Yeah, I forgot uh, that soccer part. is is at my heart. So I I mean. And here I am, uh, you know, living here in in uh, in Indiana. So uh, I got lots of reasons for loving loving Ted, the show, and then even how it comes into the world, right? Being able to sit with family during COVID, the the bonding time. Um, so the product itself, the way that you watch and who you watch it with, with love and heart and head. Mm. It, it resonates with what I do in the world, right? So I think, as you know, Jason, I help business owners and, and leadership teams build awesome companies. And I do that through coaching, consulting, and capital. So curious, how many times have you watched these seasons all the way through? Yeah. So I watched season one by myself and then I couldn't keep this guilty pleasure to myself. <laughs> and I said to my wife, you should watch it with me. And so that was the second and then the second season hadn't come out yet. So I watched it twice. And then my daughter who still plays soccer, she plays for the club at IU and my kids grew up playing club soccer. Um, so I told my son, but he was uh, at college at that time and, and Helena was home. Um, so she came in. So I watched season one, three times. Wow. And then the other seasons, you're going to out me here, man, but I've watched uh, all of them at least twice. Wow. With, least... the, with the occasional, I'll go back for thirds and fourths on a specific episode. Wow. Okay. Well, so you're I think... not just like a casual fan. You're like real fan. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I've even, I've even tucked it into my session work. To, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just a big fan in, in a lot of ways. So, so I'm curious, do you have, so just off the, off the noggin, do you have, to ask you, you know, top, top couple, what would you say? So I'm a huge fan of one quote soundbite expression, and it actually didn't come from Ted. It came from the psychiatrist. She, but she says the best teachers teach what they need to learn the most. Mm. I'm curious. Do you have a favorite character? Other than Ted, who's obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like the I like the the um, the operations manager. Um, really, that's not what I thought you would say. Higgins. Yeah, Higgins. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah. What, what's and, the and appeal? I, and I, you know, you know, the 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 couple of the players are awesome, right? I mean, everybody's human. They're flawed. They're just you know, they're real. And certainly, you know, the rubbish. You, you notice see that seven years in living in England. The yeah. rubbish is actually the product itself because that's not actually a real soccer team. You can tell you don't you don't feel the soccer team with 16 players and three coaches and two of them are American football coaches. Right. right. So, you know, it, 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 it's it's the it's the heart. It's the soul. It's the it's the joy of the show, not the, you know, 
challenge him. And by the way, I've had some soccer, you know, purists who, who have issue with that. I'm like, you know, come on guys, get over yourself. Cause you that's know, why, soccer players can be that way. That's why it's called television. Um, yeah, just, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I think, I think Higgins has just got, you know, how he, how he manages the dynamic of, of, of being, um, you know, he, he has a boss, he has colleagues, uh, he finds his, his voice, he's reflective, he's mm-hmm. sincere, you can trust the heck out of him, even to the point when she's upset at him that, you know, she was, he, he was helping her ex-husband do things, you know, that, right. that ultimately ended their relationship. Right. Um, so I think he's got that, that inner compass, even though he lost it but he still had to get a paycheck and that happens sometimes. Right. Mm. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do to put food on the table. And, and I think his point. head and his heart his his humility. And then as the show progresses, right guys, you can see this, everybody's evolving, right? Yeah. If you're not growing, you're dying. And if you're yeah. not a little uncomfortable learning how to do better, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. So I've got one more, one more question for you because you do a lot of work with leaders. You do a lot of work with uh, organizations that are looking to grow, and you know Ted can be. You know, there's so many moments, and I we've gone back to this one a couple times when they're on the plane in that initial, uh, in the initial episode where he turns around to Beard and he says, "Are we nuts?" Beard's like, "Oh yeah, we're definitely nuts." Right. And, and his whole thing about believe and bringing Rebecca, the, the scones every day and just the little things that he does and the sharing of his life, like regardless if you want to hear it or not, he's just, he's kind of, he's putting it out there. And I think some people, you know, some of these, I'll call them maybe older school kind of leaders. That's like, you got to lead by you know fear and intimidation and you can't be vulnerable and you can't show your true self. And, uh, that, that's just, he's kind of corny. He's kind of mushy. Like that's, that's not, it's not really, it's not really where it's at. What would you say to somebody who wanted, you know, who's in a leadership position saying something like that? Well, a couple of things. I think the good news is, and you know, I'm 55. I don't know how old Jason is, right? The, 51 the, this uh, week. Real name of the X 51. Yeah. So we're both what we would call Gen Xers, right? Not millennials, not boomers. And so the good news is I think that traditional legacy temperament of I scowl, suck it up, buttercup, Mm -hmm. you know, all those things. I do think that's evolving for the most part, right? I don't believe in absolutes, but I do think the trend and and moreover, you know, middle age, upper age, whatever you want to call it from leadership. I, I don't really think that's out there and as pervasive as it was when I started. Right. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been in business now for 34 years. So I think you do have a more, I think the three pillars of, of trust are authenticity, empathy, and logic. And, mm-hmm. and I think you've got a, a more well-rounded um, community of leaders who, who, if they're not awesome at it, I think they do and are willing to be vulnerable to, to admit that they don't know everything. But I think the general DNA today is a DNA that's ready and equipped by just being real like Jason is, by starting with your true self, mm. admitting what you don't admit, working together to say, hey, I do know we need a vision. I mm-hmm. do know we need a plan. I do know we need to execute and have processes. I do know that we need to generate sales and and mind our costs and produce profit. I do know that we need to have vision with execution. I think most people think and know that, 
So I just want to say thanks for joining us. I'm so glad, first of all, that you recommended the show to Jason or this would be happening. So thank you to that for that. And then also I would just love it if you would share where people can find you. So I am very active on Instagram specifically. Scott Abbott ABC. And when asked, the ABC stands for architect, builder, custodian, which is what I think of myself uh, in, in terms of what I do professionally and personally. Um, so Scott Abbott, ABC on Instagram, it's the same social on Twitter, LinkedIn, and that's it. Those are my three on the interwebs, as they say. And then for my company, very simple, it's stratikos.com, S-T-R-A-T-I-C-O-S. And uh, be happy to connect with anybody on the interwebs, LinkedIn. And, and then, as you said, Jason, I got my own little podcast show called Moments to Momentum with Scott it's Abbott fun. on all podcast channels and, and love to get the, the conversations of the world. So there you have it, gang. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I knew I knew in asking you that uh, you would come with what you came with. And so I just appreciate I appreciate the yes and and the showing up with all the things that I knew would be there. So we appreciate you, man. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen.